Church membership matters. It's easy to think today that it doesn't. We like to be transient. We like to be flexible. We like, frankly, to be out from underneath authority. And yet we are under authority. We're under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He established his church. He calls us into community as he calls us into union with him. And what better way to express that union and community than through vows? That's what we do with marriage. Many of us criticize and lament the culture today that's against marriage, where couples want to be together only while it's good for them and not until death do us part. People take that same attitude with the church, that they want to be in this relationship while it's good for them, but not if it requires them to serve or to give or to grow or to be connected, or to engage in lives that are often messy. At Covenant of Grace, we strongly encourage church membership. In fact, if you've been visiting with us for a long time, you're probably getting the pressure from us to either uh, join our church or to let us help you find a church where you would be more inclined to join. We think it matters that much. To have you join Covenant of Grace, we have you take some membership vows. And in the worship service where those vows are taken, a head of household will take them on behalf of their whole family, and the congregation will affirm those vows with you, because we've all taken these vows, and we're all in this together. The first is, do you confess that you are a sinner in the sight of God, that you deserve his punishment, that you are unable to save yourself, and that you are without hope of salvation except for God's love and mercy? It's important that only Christians join the Christian church. And you can't be a Christian if you think that you don't need salvation or that you think that you can somehow save yourself. In fact, the second vow is, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and trust in him alone for your salvation? We need help. That help has to come from outside of us. When we're honest with ourselves, we see our sinful and fallen and broken condition, and our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who does the saving for us. In the third vow, we say, do you accept the Bible comprised of the Old and New Testaments as the written word of God, and that it is the only perfect rule of faith and how to live? It's not that we who interpret the Bible are perfect, but the Bible itself is perfect. So insofar as we understand it, as we understand it to teach and to mean, do you accept that that is the written word of God? And that while others can give us good advice, and while other influences can be useful and important to us, the Bible is the ultimate authority. What we have in that book as the Old and New Testaments is the sure and certain word of God. And when it tells us things to do that we don't want to do, we have to obey it. And when it prohibits us from things that we do want to do, we have to obey it. And in all things, we seek after it for the wisdom that comes from God. The fourth vow, do you promise to trust in the guidance and strength of the Holy Spirit so that you can live all of life as a Christian following the example set by Jesus Christ? You see, it's not enough to know what's in the Bible. Knowing what the Bible says isn't going to make you holy. It isn't going to make you more Christ-like. The way that you become more like Christ is that the power of the Holy Spirit in you teaches you what the Bible says and strengthens and equips you to live that out as you love God with all that you are and as you love your neighbor as yourself. And in our vow, we say that we promise to do that, that we promise to trust on the Holy Spirit's guidance and strength and not our own strength in order to live life as a Christian. One of the venues in which we do that is the church itself, and that's the fifth vow. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? 
God has gifted you and called you to serve in the church. When Paul talks about the church and its members in Romans, he talks about it like members of a body. As a body has hands and feet and uh, nose and ears, so the church has people with different gifts and different callings and different strengths. But we're to use those in service of the church. It doesn't mean that we're only going to serve the church in ways that we're most excited about or ways that we're best at. We're going to look at where the needs of the church are and what we have the ability to do. And we're going to try to address those the best that we can to help with those things. But we are absolutely going to serve and support the church. That's how we support and serve one another, the body of Christ, uh, which is a major part of being drawn into this union with Christ, is that we would be his body, his hands and his feet, so to speak. And then finally, in loving obedience, do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of this church, promising to seek the peace, purity, and prosperity of the congregation as long as you are a member of it? This vow is really the let the shepherds shepherd vow. And a lot of times I think people hear it as let the rulers rule. You're going to do what we tell you to do because we're the elders. And that's not the spirit of this vow at all. The spirit of the vow is loving obedience, that as your shepherds try to shepherd you, you let them. You respond to that shepherding. As your shepherding elder meets with your family and asks how you're doing, you answer the questions honestly. As we ask you about what we can pray for, you tell us the truth. Tell us what's going on in your lives. Let us be involved and engaged in your lives. I said in one of the previous episodes that the biggest part of discipline is proactive. It's teaching. It's instruction. And a lot of what we do in shepherding is teaching and instruction complemented with prayer. And so this vow is that you're going to let us do that. That is what will bring about the purity of the church, by the way, is that as we are growing toward Christlikeness, all of us individually and in our families, the church itself is growing toward Christlikeness. That's what makes us pure as a bride for Christ. And that is what will help both the peace and the prosperity of the church. Because when you have a body of believers who are individually and as families growing in Christlikeness, and that body is serving one another and serving its community, overflowing with love for Christ, that's a really attractive thing for the world to see. And so we will grow. That is the prosperity component of what helps this congregation. It is the peace, not that we'll be uh, clones of one another, not that we'll make the same decisions and live exactly the same ways, but that with our different callings and gifts, with the different freedoms that we express in Christ, we are still all expressing Christ. We're still united with one another because we're united with him. And there's absolutely nothing we can do that will more promote the peace and the purity and the prosperity of the congregation than that, than growing in Christlikeness. So in loving obedience, dot, 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 let the shepherds shepherd. And I will say, if you're considering joining Covenant of Grace, the two things that may be very different to you from churches where you've been a member or have worshiped before, or if you've never been a church member before, two things that may catch you by surprise are the ways that we worship, the things I talked about in the previous episode, where we are fiercely committed to the means of grace. There are lots of things you could do in a service, and we don't spend our time talking about what we're not and what we don't do. We talk about what we are and what we do and why we do it. And of all the things that we could do in a worship service, we choose to do these things, and we do them because God has promised to bless them. And if we focus ourselves on the means of grace, we're not wasting time ever. We are always uh, using the tools that he's given us to grow closer to him and more and more like him, and therefore to one another. Um, And then secondly, beyond the way we worship, is this concept of shepherding. A lot of people today think that their their faith is a, a private 
thing, that it's just them and God. And while faith is a deeply personal thing, it has to be your faith and you have to have a a, a personal relationship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a private thing. It's not something that stays segmented from the rest of your life or hidden from the world or that no one else can invade. Jesus is the good shepherd, but he equips us as under shepherds, those of us who are elders in his church, to carry out his shepherding work among his people. And we can't do it as well as he does because he's Christ and he's perfect and we're not. And so we will fail you. We will forget to pray for you. We will give you poor advice sometimes. We will be frustrated with sin uh, in times where we should have been more patient. And we will be patient in times where we should have been more direct and had the courage to speak up. So it's not that we'll be perfect, but it's that we are doing the work of Christ. We are doing this under shepherding work and we need to be involved in your lives. We need to be able to ask you candid questions. We need to be able to have deep conversations. We need to trust you that you'll come to us proactively when you need help, when you need prayer, when you need advice, that you'll be helping one another in the congregation grow with wisdom and prayer and encouragement. Just those who are ordained elders don't have a monopoly on the wisdom and the prayer and the shepherding within the church. It just means that we're called by God to do it and that we'll be held account if we don't. Lots of people in the church build relationships with other non-ordained individuals that seek wisdom and advice and prayer and counsel and correction, and that's entirely appropriate. But the session will come alongside of that, and those of us as elders will check in, and we'll make sure that you're building those types of relationships, and we'll make sure that you're leading your family, those of you who are head of households, the way that your families ought to be led. Uh, We'll talk about the tough decisions that we have to make in life where God prohibits some things, but then we still have choices we can make. There are still multiple different lawful options, what job we pursue, where we go to college, what uh, how we educate our children, all of these things. There's a lot of Christian liberty and freedom in this, but it doesn't mean that we just say we, we don't care what you do or we don't care what you decide. We want to know you well enough to help you think through. What's wise in your situation? What's best for you or for your family? What may God be calling you to do even within your own freedom uh, that will uh, bring you greater joy, make you more useful to the church, that will draw you closer to Christ? All of that's the work of shepherding and our, our plea for those who join. And it's a vow that you take. And that's why I'm emphasizing it here is that you will let the shepherds shepherd. This has been a whirlwind tour of why we exist what we believe, and why we believe it. Obviously, we have a lot more to say, but if you haven't worshiped with us yet, come and worship. We recommend that people worship with us for a month. The means of grace are a slow, dripping kinds of change. They're not, uh, they're not often an overnight transformation. That as you sing and pray and hear the word preached and hear it read, as you engage with the fellowship of the saints, that over time, you'll start to notice some change. You'll notice some growth that maybe had been missing from your life. And if you aren't going to church now, come worship with us. Maybe we're not the place where God's called you, but get back in worship. Develop that habit. Submit yourself to the word of God and trust that the spirit of God will work in you. Those things that you're afraid of, the spirit of God can help you overcome those. Those sins, those difficulties that you just can't let go of, that you think God will never accept, make him the offer and see what he says. See if God himself doesn't reveal to you the majesty of his grace and the greatness of his forgiveness. We hope to see you at Covenant of Grace, but even if we don't, be in church. Submit yourself to the Word of God because it is the power of God 
unto salvation for all who will believe.